God, please open our hearts as we listen to your word today and give us courage to respond. The first scripture reading is in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah. Continuing on with our gospel reading today, we continue to look at these stories where God is with us and God is with God's disciples, calling us into action and relationship. Our second scripture reading is John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. This is uh, following the baptism of Jesus and his calling of Simon Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to, of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe me because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Lord, may we hear your word this morning. Amen. It was just about one year ago that I had the opportunity to travel to Atlanta, Georgia with Stacy for her to speak at an educator's conference. I believe this was my last time that I flew on a plane. How our world is working over the course of this last year. We, we actually heard rumblings of this virus potentially beginning to spread in the U.S. while we were there, but we certainly were not prepared for what has happened since. I spent much of the week walking and running around the city. We love to walk when we travel, and so we experienced many of the neighborhoods on foot, exploring the sprawling city filled with history and culture. We visited, of course, the hipster restaurants and the shopping areas, obviously, but we also made a point to spend time at the sites of the civil rights movement. We visited the King Center, 
This was my second pilgrimage to this hallowed site. The first had been with a, a group of college students about a decade before. We saw the eternal flame burning in remembrance of Dr. King's life and legacy. We saw Ebenezer Baptist Church, the pillar of the community, and home to many impassioned civil rights leaders and courageous Christians. We saw Dr. King's home and wandered the neighborhoods soaking up the history. Looking back, it was for me a clear time of preparation. God showing me the places of Dr. King's great work, inviting me to reflect on my own participation in that work and that work for justice and my complicity with the struggles of racism and segregation that still persist. Tomorrow is the day our nation celebrates the legacy of Dr. King's work. And at least for me, this will be a year unlike any before it, where I feel very clearly that I am invited to sit at the feet of the Reverend Dr. King's work and listen and learn and reflect on how I can respond and participate in calls for racial justice that we are all hearing now. For me, for me, this work must be done with humility and caution and deep respect. This is not a space for me to capture Dr. King's words and make them my own. This is a space for me to attend and be changed and to come and see, as our text invites today. I wonder, how will you honor the legacy and experience of Dr. King? How will you be invited to participate and stand in solidarity with the courageous calls for justice now and going forward. Let's turn to our text from the Gospel of John. This month, we're looking at lectionary texts through the lens that reminds us God is with us. Where is God in this text? What is God inviting the hearers of this good news to do, and how do they respond? What does this have to say about the struggle for justice and the work of anti-racist, courageous action that we are invited to? We hear it in the story. Jesus is moving through Galilee, following his baptism and the calling of the apostles Peter and Andrew. We hear that he is in Bethsaida, the town of Peter and Andrew still. These brothers are fishermen, if you recall. And we hear that Jesus is still there in that town, calling Philip to come and see what God is up to. Philip, in turn, calls Nathaniel, and this is where the text gets interesting. As we've recalled, this is a fishing village, and I want to do some imaginative reading of this story. It's a fishing village, blue-collar workers, men who work hard with their hands and their backs, tending to nets, pulling in the catch. And without stretching it too far, we could probably say that this is a union town, a factory where processing workers might have been very skeptical of some wandering itinerant preacher. Let's take this imagination just a step further and consider Nathaniel's question about Nazareth for a moment. Nathaniel hears from Philip that this guy, who is supposedly the Messiah, has come around and that he should go check him out. Nathaniel betrays his skepticism. What good can come out of Nazareth? I believe I actually preached a sermon on this a couple of years ago, 
right at a time when our nation's leaders were caught discussing barring people from what they called backwater countries from coming to the U.S., and they did not use the word backwater. So Nathaniel is skeptical or perhaps biased against Nazareth. The Nazarenes, those people from the hills to the west, those people from the other part of Galilee, those people, what good can come from them? That Jesus, this guy, what is he, some traveling tourist? Oh, he's a carpenter. Maybe he's here to steal our jobs. You see where I'm going here? Not to demonize Nathaniel too much without reason, but let's imagine for a moment that his balking at the Nazarene, Jesus, is not only related to distance from Nazareth to Bethsaida, but also for cultural, ethnic, or racial reasons. What good could come out of a black neighborhood in Atlanta? Do you hear it? Thankfully, for us and for Nathaniel, Philip is persistent. He shares that this Jesus is the one that Moses and the prophets have spoken of. He reminds us that Nathaniel is a part of a bigger story, trying, tying up all these stories from their religious tradition and not letting what neighborhood that Jesus hails from derail the calling to come and see. So Nathaniel, perhaps still skeptical, prepares still harboring some prejudice against this Nazarene and gets up and talks with Jesus. Jesus is clearly aware of the preceding interaction and seems to chide Nathaniel, calling him an Israelite without deceit. I hear this as Jesus saying, look at this guy. He tells it like it is. He does not hold back his opinions. Nathaniel remains skeptical. Where did you get to know me, he asks. Or how about, you don't know me, who do you think you are? And here is where Jesus and imagination. Jesus has somehow had the vision to know that Nathaniel was under the fig tree and what he was up to. Perhaps even the ability to know the condition of his heart and the skepticism of his remarks regarding the approach of the Messiah. Nathaniel, man, you are caught by Jesus. In all that I have read of Dr. Martin Luther King's writings and speeches, his activism and proclamation of God's way of justice, it has all had an air of passion and invitation to it. Dr. King knew the Christ who said, follow me. And Dr. King shared that invitation with those who would join in with the call for racial justice. I also have to imagine that there were plenty of these kinds of interactions that Dr. King faced. Marching through the streets, standing in solidarity with striking workers, I'm sure that Dr. King had interactions with skeptics like Nathaniel. What good can come from a black, from a, from a black preacher calling for civil rights? Picture the white laborer sitting on his porch, watching with intrigue at the crowds of peaceful protests. Perhaps there is a spark of interest and desire to participate in that white man's heart. But again, how could anything good come from a black preacher from Atlanta? I don't want to belabor the point I'm making here, but while this text feels somewhat hard to parse out and get at, what might be going on between Jesus and Nathaniel 
it also seems like a perfect example of our continued struggle to get past issues of racial bias or social difference to move to more generative spaces where true justice work can begin. Thanks be to God for the work of Christ. Something happens in Nathaniel. He is wowed by Jesus's knowledge of his place and his in, in this interaction. There seems to be enough in him that piques his interest and makes him follow Jesus. And I love Jesus's final words. You will see greater things than these. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. You think it's something that Christ knows where you're coming from? Well, wait and see. You are going to be blown away at the revelation of justice and shalom that looks like the kingdom of God. Before moving back to how this all hits and works with us, we have to have a Paul Harvey rest of the story kind of moment with Nathaniel. Nathaniel gets up and follows Jesus. But we don't hear a lot about Nathaniel throughout the rest of the Gospels. He's generally pretty quiet. He shows up again at the shoreline with Jesus, resurrected, eating breakfast with the disciples because, uh, before he goes into heaven with his ascension. But Nathaniel's quiet way has something to teach us. Many of you know that I'm in the first year of my Doctor of Ministry work. I've been exploring a topic uh, to focus on, and I'm beginning to land on something to do with speaking up about issues of justice. Particularly, I've been drawn to contemporary Black writers and speakers who are speaking up with renewed fervor for racial equity and justice. People like Jamar Tisby, Christina Cleveland, Ibram X. Kendi, and Willie Jennings. And while I love reading these folks and sharing their ideas, I have felt concerned about what it is that my role is in this, to speak as a white cisgender male in a position of religious authority. Who am I to speak up now? Who am I to think that I have anything to say to support the cause of those who have been so beaten down by racist policies that have actually benefited people like me? I think I can learn something from Nathaniel right now. Nathaniel is quiet, yes, but Nathaniel is also faithfully present to the work of Jesus through the whole journey. He's there, and he's listening, and he's pointing to Jesus, and he's probably telling others, come and see, just like he was told. I wonder if the role for the white church, like ours, is to take a page from Nathaniel's story I wonder if our work is to walk with leaders who are speaking up, to support them, to make space where their stories can be told, and to speak to the ones like us who need to hear it. To be like Philip as well, showing up to our skeptical Nathaniel friends who may harbor some embedded racist attitudes and invite them to come and see. Jamar Tisby, in his book, How to Fight Racism, lays out a model for how people can engage with anti-racist work. He calls it the ARC framework, A-R-C, which stands for awareness, relationships, and commitment. The work of anti-racism calls for an intertwined movement in these three categories. First, we become aware 
by listening, reading, and learning about issues of racism all around us. We build relationships then with people who are not like us, like Bethsaidians and Nazarenes, getting into relationship and learning with and for each other. And then we make commitments to work to dismantle racist policies and laws that perpetuate the problems we face together. On this Martin Luther King weekend, we are invited to come and see what God is and has been doing in the struggle for justice. Because the truth is, God has been present with this work from the beginning. The work for us in this mostly white, affluent church is to step in and follow after those come-and-see opportunities. Dr. King said of us, of our resistance to this work as a church, the following. And this quote has stuck with me. All too many religious leaders have been more cautious than courageous and have remained silent behind the anesthetizing security of stained glass windows. It is time for us to get courageous, to follow along and learn to become aware, build relationships, and commit to action. This is our moment. Come and see. Amen.